Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and we have a lot to talk about on this podcast. First of all, I am going to apologize to to my fans. I hope I have fans uh, for a little hiatus here the last few weeks on the podcast Unfortunately, 2020 continues to suck for me and my family. We've had another death in, death in, the, in my family. My brother-in-law, a very good friend of mine, heart attack at 43. So that was a lot to deal with, and we're still, still dealing with that. We've got another family member who looks to have cancer. So there's a lot going on in my life. So I needed to, needed to step away from the Bears for a little bit because... The Bears aren't good for anybody's health. I don't know if you, you've realized that. I'm sure you have as Bears fans over the last several decades because this team just does not seem to get it. So not going to do a guest today because after listening to the press conferences from the four men in charge, that being George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, Ryan Pace, and Matt Nagy, I've got a lot to say. So I want to I want to dive right in and and for those of you who say sometimes I feel like Bill's just yelling at me for 20 or 30 straight minutes, well, you're probably going to feel that way today because let's just say that this has been a really odd season for the Bears and, and frustrating and there are so many layers of the onion here to unpeel, and, and this thing stinks like an onion. So I think that uh, comparison is apropos. So let's hear first for a minute, just look back at this Saints game. This, this game was a horrendous performance on multiple levels. But the first thing I want to say is I'm going to tip my cap to the Chicago Bears defense, who I thought played a tremendous game. And I know that second half, the Saints had these ball control drives and and were able to eat up the clock. But you cannot put that on the Bears defense. They could not stay off the field because the offense could not stay on the field. It was absolutely brutal, brutal watching that offense play. And I am not putting the blame on one person. I am putting a collective blame on the offense, that being Nagy and Lazor, and that being Mitch Trubisky. And now, look, Mitch Trubisky truthers, you know, you and I, we're at odds. We've been at odds for a good year and a half, two years now. But I do not understand, and I I tweeted this out, I do not understand how an offense can be that inept. Forget that final drive in the last two minutes. I'm getting criticized when I tweet out stats that throw away garbage time stats about, oh, we want to get rid of the good Mitch stats. No, I want Mitch stats when it counts, when it matters, 
Those are the stats I care about. So a 99-yard drive in two minutes when the Saints are playing way off the ball and they don't give a crap about what's going on with, with what the Bears are doing offensively, yeah, I don't count that in the stats that matter. I count what really matters. And with two minutes to go in that game, when Drew Brees was stopped at the one-yard line, the Bears had 107 passing yards. They had 140 yards of offense. They had six, six first downs. That drive right before where Brees was stopped at the one, the Saints had six first downs on that drive. The Bears had six for the game up to that point. That's ridiculously ridiculously horrible. The Saints ended up doubling the Bears basically in time of possession. The Bears offense was inept. It was inept. Now, Javon Wims, horrible play. Horrible play. And I don't blame refs, but the Colt Komet call was bad. There's no guarantee the Bears were going to score a touchdown anyway, and they did get three. I'm not blaming the refs here either. But yeah, the Colt Komet call on the uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, that was a bad call. And I'm not going to sit there and say that that didn't matter. Because that could have potentially hurt the Bears. And the Wims play was, was pathetically bad. And as a guy who criticizes Mitch Trubisky, a beautiful ball from Mitch Trubisky. He couldn't have thrown it better. Patrick Mahomes couldn't have thrown it better. It was that good of a ball from Trubisky. I'll give Trubisky credit. I've never said Mitch Trubisky isn't capable of, of great throws or making a play. It's the consistency for Mitch Trubisky. But, but that aside, so... Frustrated with what I saw from, from Nagy and Laser for sure in, in that game and a lot. Gutless play calling with two minutes to go in the first half. Look, the Bears deferred. They put the Saints offense with healthy Kamara, healthy Michael Thomas, and healthy Drew Brees, which was basically the first, basically they had played one game together, the three of them combined. They deferred, put the defense out there. The defense did its job and got the Saints offense off the field with no points. The deferment was working perfectly because the Bears got the ball with two, two minutes, whatever it was exactly, to go in the first half, and they were getting the ball in the second half. They got the extra possession they wanted. That's why you defer, to get the potentially that extra possession. It worked out, and Matt Nagy looked and said, no, nah, I'm not going to try. I don't want three points. I don't want potentially seven points because I think Mitch Trubisky is going to go three and out on a couple incompletions and we're going to give Drew Brees the ball at midfield with minute and a half to go. That's playing scared football. I don't care how bad Mitch Trubisky is. You chose to put in Mitch Trubisky over Nick Foles. And yes, the offense played better. I'm not saying that was a mistake, but Matt Nagy, you put Mitch Trubisky in the game. You put him in for those four or five, six games, whatever the hell it was. And then you're like, I oh, know we're not going to do it. You don't beat the New Orleans Saints playing not to lose. That isn't how you win. And you've made a great play call with Wims, and it didn't work out. Mitch, that was a boneheaded run on fourth down, basically just giving up on the first down. But that was gutless play calling from Matt Nagy, and that pissed me off. Now, Mitch Trubisky. You can sit there and say, oh, I thought Trubisky played pretty well. He did what he could do. You have to put some of the blame on Mitch Trubisky. The Saints are a good defense. So when you say nobody's open, yes, Mitch Trubisky is going to have to deliver some balls in tight windows. There is a step here or there. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's what Mitch Trubisky needs to do. He's the number two pick in the draft. He was supposed to be a franchise quarterback. We know who Trubisky is, but irrelevant to that, 
That's what he needed to do in that game. That's how you win playoff games. You don't get to play the Houston Texans or the Detroit Lions or the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs. You're playing good defenses. You got to go for it. Trubisky, check down, check down. Poor job. Matt Nagy playing scared. The whole thing was a disaster. So kudos to the defense. Kudos to the defense for putting up a hell of a performance and keeping the Bears in that game because it was 7-3 to three and it felt like the Bears were down four touchdowns because of how bad the offense was. But the defense kept them in it. And I was impressed, impressed with that. So now we, we look at the Bears season overall. And yes, they made the playoffs, but this season was almost a carbon copy of the 2019 season. I mean, let's look at the 2019 season. The Bears got off to a good start. They had a four-game losing streak. They recovered at the end of the season. to you know, they, they got a chance at the playoffs. They recovered after dipping below 500. And they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Fast forward to another season. To, to the next season, 2020. The Bears go 5-1 and one to start the year. Another hot start. Six-game losing streak this time. Fall below 500 again, and what do they do? Recover at the end of the season to go 8-8. Eight and eight. Thank you to the NFC for being down this year. Thank you to the NFL for adding a seventh playoff team, and the Chicago Bears squeak in as a very weak 8-8 eight eight team, and the Saints dispatched of them easily. Now, why do I bring up the 2019 and the 2020 season? Because George McCaskey, at the end of the 2019 season, go Google it on YouTube, uh, you know, George McCaskey, 2019, post, you know, end of season press conference. You'll find it and listen to it. He said, this was unacceptable. He said, we need to find out if we are the version that of this year, the 2019 eight and eight version, or if this was a mirage and we're actually the 12 and four 2018 version. That's what George said he needed to find out in the 2020 season. So we play out the 2020 season. We have an identical outcome except a weak postseason appearance. And George McCaskey, who said 2019 was unacceptable, gets up to the podium at the end of the year in 2020 and says, we are running it back. So for those of you who think I yell too much, well, here comes some more because we, there were no changes. All right. So the, here, here's the big changes. Chuck Pagano, out. Maybe Chuck Pagano retired. Maybe they went to Chuck and said, it's not working, but we'll give you a, a nice out. You can step down, you can retire, up to you. And maybe Chuck just said, okay, I retire. Regardless of what happened, Pagano is out. It would appear Mitch Trubisky is out, but I just want to bring up one caveat that Dan Durkin brought up. With Mitch Trubisky, when Ryan Pace was asked a tough question from Mark Potash about why he went with Mitch Trubisky and, and instead of Mahomes or Watson and, and Mitch Trubisky's failures, Ryan Pace said, well, that chapter, and then he cut himself off and didn't answer the question. Well, that chapter what? He wouldn't have said, well, that chapter is closed. We've moved on. I, I don't think so. I think he was probably saying, well, that chapter isn't necessarily close. So is Mitch Trubisky still on the 
cheat as possible quarterbacks for 2021? I think he is because I still think Ryan Pace may be that blind. I understand he realizes Trubisky isn't who he expected and who he wanted him to be. But does he still think Mitch is better than who Mitch actually is? I think that's a possibility. Now, I don't want to focus on that too much. Let's first start with George McCaskey. George McCaskey always says he doesn't understand football at the level that basically a Ryan Pace would, that he's a fan. That's the problem here is that George McCaskey, the chairman of the team, is a fan and doesn't have the football knowledge to make football decisions. That's why he brought in Ernie Acorsi six years ago, and Ernie Acorsi basically made the decisions on Ryan Pace and John Fox because George McCaskey can't and Ted Phillips can't. That is a major problem in the structure of this franchise, a major problem, because you can't evaluate the football operations. You need a president of the team. Now, Ted Phillips is not involved in the day-to-day football operations. Anyone who tells you that is, is wrong. Ted's not involved. But the problem is when the decision is made about who will be the general manager, Ted Phillips is in the room. Now, again, Ernie Acorsi was brought in as a consultant to work with George on making that decision six years ago. But Ted Phillips is in the room. And if you don't think George, who has been working with Ted for a decade and knew him before that when he wasn't the chairman and just just part of the McCaskey family when when Michael was still running things and knew him, and they've got a 20-plus year relationship at this point. If you don't think George is talking to Ted about the decisions they should make in terms of football operations at the top of the football operations department, you're crazy. Of course Ted's involved in those decisions, and that's the problem, because Ted is an accountant. Ted doesn't know anything about football either. So you've got no accountability for Ryan Pace because they don't know what they're talking about. So George and Ted and and the other ownership, they'd have, what, 14 hours of Zoom calls with with Pace and Nagy on Monday and Tuesday after the Saints game, and Pace and Nagy are going to sit there and shift blame. They're going to say the quarterback situation isn't what it is. We tried to get Foles to fix it, but we knew that wasn't going to be a big-time fix. That was just to to try and see what, you know, all the BS that they were going to give. You know exactly what that was. The scapegoat Pagano, it's the same crap. I've been a Nagy supporter for a long time, but I said something at the end of the 2019 season that when you scapegoat assistant coaches, which is what they did when they hired, when they fired Helfrich and they fired uh, Heastan, and they said, that was the problem right? When you scapegoat assistant coaches, it almost never works. And it didn't work. So now we fast forward a year, are they just scapegoating with Pagano? Are they scapegoating with Trubisky, which is of course Pace's guy? Is that what they're doing? That doesn't make any sense. So now George is sitting there listening to Pace and Nagy basically sell them on why they should keep their jobs and they bought it. This team needs some level of change, and they're not changing a thing. They're not changing a thing. The old cliche, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. This is exactly what they're doing. There's no opportunity for this Bears team to get significantly better in 2021. There isn't. 
They've got limited cap. The cap's not going up. Best case scenario, the cap's staying the same. It may drop. They've they've punted money in the future with Robert Quinn. They've punted money in the future with Danny Trevathan. They're basically capped out right now. So if an opportunity to get Dak Prescott becomes available and they need to pay him $40 million a year, well, they're cutting key players off the defense. Kyle Fuller, Akeem Hicks. There, there's really no other way to fit this in. They're going to have actual first, second, third round draft picks this year unless Pace trades them all away. So they do have some better draft capital to hopefully get young players to insert right into the starting lineup. They had luck this year with Jalen Johnson. Cole Komet came, came along a little bit better towards the second half of the season. He has more developing to go. Darnell Mooney was a great find in the fifth round. I'm not saying Ryan Pace is devoid of finding talent. He, he absolutely does. We've seen that on the roster. But when Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are given one more chance to fix the team with no cap space, what are they going to do other than restructure Hicks and Fuller and these guys and punt more money down the road, probably restructure Mac, punt more money down the road to create as much cap space as they can to, to find more free agents that they can have low cap numbers in year one and punt more money down the road. What George McCaskey has done is put Ryan Pace in an even more desperate situation. What have we talked about on this podcast? And I know I'm not alone about what Ryan Pace did a year ago. Ryan Pace went all in on an 8-8 eight eight team that he should not have done because he did not have a quarterback to try and save his own job. He went all in and got an 8-8 eight eight record on the other side. That's what they're doing again. They're forcing Ryan Pace to go all in even further to save his own job. And, and make no mistake now, now Nagy and Pace enter 2021 on a blazing inferno of a seat. And Ryan Pace is going to do whatever he can to keep Allen Robinson around, to keep Akeem Hicks, to keep Kyle Fuller, to find free agents that they can they can slot in in the offense to try and improve the offense, whether that be along the offensive line, more weapons, a quarterback, whatever it might be. You have created a desperate situation. And Ryan Pace in a desperate situation is going to do whatever he can to get a contract extension and worry about fixing the 2023 cap when 2023 comes around. But that does not work. That is how a team collapses. And that is what they have created here. And now Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy take the stage after George and Ted and they sit there and say, it's all about a quarterback this offseason. It's all about a quarterback. That's what we have to do. We have to find a quarterback. Now, you can look at this multiple ways. And Brad Spielberger of PFF, he kind of pointed me out in another direction. But my first reaction to that is they need to find a quarterback that can help them win this year. And they have to be confident that they're upgrading the quarterback situation. Maybe they can figure out a way to get out of Nick Foles' deal. Maybe. But if Nick Foles is still stuck here at QB2, and if Mitch Trubisky is gone, and cross your fingers he is, unless you are you just don't care about this season and you want to be so confident that Pace is gone, that bring back Mitch Trubisky and let them collapse and go 4-12. and 12. If that's what you want, then okay, fine. Then hope Mitch Trubisky comes back. But I'll say one thing. So far, early returns on the 2022 quarterback draft class is not good. 
And I understand that one quarterback from one school is bad, and this another quarterback from the same school could be a Hall of Famer. But if the Bears are bad and end up taking Sam Howell, another North Carolina quarterback, in 2022, the fan base is going to be so tortured, they're not going to know what to do. So there is a whole situation here with the quarterback. But if Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy need to save their jobs, then I don't see any way that they're going to blow first-round draft capital on a quarterback that needs to develop, especially a quarterback like Trey Lance. They're picking 20th. If, I know, we got a ways away with the combine and all until we get to the draft. But if the quarterbacks play out like a lot of draft experts expect, and that would be that Lawrence, Fields, and Wilson go really early, like three in the top five or six, the Bears catapulting up to there is dangerous. A team with no cap space and punting money down the road and then trading like gobs of draft capital to move that far up. That is a dangerous situation to be in. I don't think the Bears can pull that off. So the next quarterback would be Trey Lance, the North Dakota prospect. Now, Trey Lance could be available in that 10 to 15 range, which means the Bears could trade up for a reasonable amount to go grab him from 20. But Trey Lance is a guy who probably isn't playing in year one. And maybe he's only playing a limited amount of time in year two. He's raw. He is a raw prospect. I would guess better than, but think Jordan Love. A guy that needs to sit and learn. So if that's the situation, and Ryan Pace needs to save his job, how is he going out and getting a guy like Trey Lance? He can't. He's got to go for a veteran quarterback. And he can't go for a veteran quarterback like Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota or Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's a stopgap quarterback. They need to know that they need to, they need to significantly improve the quarterback position. Now, Brad Spielberg for PFF, Spielberger from PFF, he's got a different mentality. He looks at it as they could go get Trey Lance, have another year of mediocrity, and then go to George and go, well, we've got Trey. He's developing. He needs another year or two to, to sell them on keeping their jobs. I disagree with Brad there. I think what this means is they're going to go for a veteran. Now, Doug Peterson's out in Philly. Does that mean Carson Wentz is definitely staying? Maybe, but they do have Jalen Hurts there, so there could be still a pivot, and Carson Wentz could be available. You would assume the Jets are going after Fields, so you would assume Sam Darnold is going to be available. Jimmy G is, is, is borderline benched. You know, the, the 49ers just kind of have a, a three-headed monster at quarterback. Jimmy G could be available. Matt Stafford is a rumor to be available. I'd love Matt Stafford. But if you think the Detroit Lions are going to send Matt Stafford to a division rival, you're crazy. I don't think Matt Stafford is an option for the Bears. You know, Cam Newton, do you want to go that route? He was not good this year. He was not good. I think Cam is spent. I think that's a poor, poor idea for, for Ryan Pace at this point. I mean, the, these are the type of veteran quarterbacks you're looking at right now that, that the Bears can bring in. I think Derek Carr was potentially available a year ago, but after the year he had, I can't see John Gruden getting rid of Derek Carr. Derek Carr was excellent with the Raiders this past year. So the veteran quarterback situation, the free agency, when you look at free agency, 
if Dak Prescott is available, if the Cowboys decide not to keep him, that that's a different scenario there, and the Bears should absolutely go in on Dak. Now, I understand that would mean, you know, potentially getting rid of a, a, a key player here or there, but if you can get Dak, you go get Dak. Let's assume Dak is not on the table, though, because the Cowboys didn't get a really high pick. If you're going to get rid of Dak, if the Cowboys were sitting at the third pick, fourth pick, and said, we can go get Wilson, the BYU quarterback, well, then you sit there and say, all right, let's let Dak go. Let's franchise Dak with the idea that we will trade him. Maybe you do the non-exclusive franchise tag for Dak, so the team has to give up two first-round picks to get him. That's how that works. There's the exclusive tag and the non-exclusive tag. And at the non-exclusive tag, other teams are allowed to sign that player, but they have to give up two first-round picks in the process. A team would give up two first-round picks for Dak Prescott, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the Bears would do that. So maybe that's what the Cowboys do. What I'm saying is the Cowboys aren't picking high enough now, thanks to winning some games at the end of the season, to really be in a key position unless they love Trey Lance. They're not going to be in a position to get Fields or to get Lawrence. So, so that's out for Dallas. So I don't think Dak's an option. And if Dak's not an option, then your next best free agent quarterback is probably Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is not the answer for what the Chicago Bears need at quarterback. He's an upgrade, but he's not enough of an upgrade at this point. Phillip Rivers, you watch him, he's limited. He's not the same guy that was in uh, San Diego five years ago. So the Bears are going to make some sort of maneuver or trade for a veteran quarterback that they hope fixes this offense. And in essence, it's just the Nick Foles move on steroids. Nick Foles was brought in because he knew the system and was going to help fix the offense. Well, just knowing the system wasn't enough. Now, there were some things against Nick Foles. Rashad Coward played most of Nick Foles' games, and he wrecked the offensive line. I am not sitting here and saying that Rashad Coward is the reason and the sole reason that the Bears had a six-game losing streak, but he was a key, key part of that problem. He wrecked the offensive line. He he, he, he made Charles Leno worse. Charles Leno's not a guy... Who, need, who can be lift, who will lift up a poor player. He's not good enough. Charles Leno, next to like a, a Cody Whitehair or a James Daniels, someone like that, they can be cohesive and, and make each player make each other better. Sam Mustafer comes around, and once he, you know, he played well and got healthy, he helped the offensive line. Getting cowered off the field certainly helped the offensive line. I mean, I had Lawrence Holmes on this podcast, and Lawrence Holmes talked about how, how he was told from, from defensive coaches around the league that Rashad Coward, this is bad for a high school football player, was putting too much weight down on his hand in his three-point stance on runs and not enough weight on his hands on pass plays. His three-point stance was not balanced. Defenses were able to key off that to know whether the play was going to be a run or a pass. That is embarrassing at an NFL level. So you've got Coward giving away the plays and missing and execute missing blocks and executing poorly anyway. He wrecked that offensive line. Nick Foles is a statue. He needs a good offensive line to be behind. The way the offensive line played largely the last few games of the year, now again, helped by Mitch Trubisky having a little mobility, sure. But the way that offensive line played, would that have been better for Nick Foles? Absolutely. But the bottom line is, and I said that I thought Nick Foles a year ago, I thought, well, eight months ago, I thought Nick Foles was a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. I said I didn't like the move. I didn't think he was a good quarterback. I thought he was a better option than Mitch Trubisky. I was wrong. 
And it's a 1A, 1B thing. I thought Foles was 1A. Trubisky was 1B. Trubisky's 1A and Foles is 1B. But here's the bottom line. And this is where it almost doesn't matter that that assessment was wrong. Is because what I said eight months ago is that neither quarterback was the answer for this offense. And neither quarterback is the answer for this offense. Now, maybe they're stuck with Foles as another year as their backup quarterback. Nick Foles as their backup quarterback is fine. But... They need a better quality starting quarterback. I'd love for them to improve Nick Foles as well. I mean, if you tell me the Chicago Bears are going to go out and take a veteran quarterback, Sam Darnold, let's say, and bring in someone like Alex Smith as the backup quarterback, who we know Matt Nagy loves, I I could be more on board for something like that. But whatever they do, the quarterback situation, unless it's Dak Prescott, is not going to be a slam dunk in 2021. Unless... Pace mortgages, you know, five farms to go up and get Wilson or to get Fields. I don't think there's any way he can get Lawrence or go out and get Deshaun Watson, who I'd have a hard time believing Deshaun Watson would want to play in Chicago. He's been he's got that chip on his shoulder about how the Bears treated him during the pre-draft and and not officially meeting with him and not really considering him at all at that number three pick. I don't even know if that's an option. But assuming the Bears can't land one of those marquee guys, and maybe that's what Pace sold George on. Maybe Pace said, we're getting Watson. We're going to get, you know, we're, we're going to get Dak Prescott. Maybe that's what he sold him on, and George, because he doesn't know what he's talking about, bought it hook, line, and sinker. I don't know what was discussed in those meetings. Obviously, nobody does except the people in those meetings right now. But the bottom line is the Bears are sitting here. The Bears, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy sat there and said, we didn't have the quarterback to win, and we still went 8-8. Eight and eight. If we have the right quarterback, we can win 10, 11, 12 games. That's the issue. That's what they sold George and Ted on clearly when they came out and said, it's about the quarterback, it's about the quarterback, it's about the quarterback. So they sat there and said the defense regressed because of Chuck Pagano. The offense can't be where it is because Trubisky's not the guy. By the way, you you said that a year ago and you brought in Nick Foles. And Nick Foles was your answer. And Nick Foles was not the answer. So again, it's the same crap where we are a year ago except now we have less cap space as a team. Like, it's just, how can you have any confidence in this organization? How can you have any faith that this is going to get better? And that 12-4 and four season, it feels like a decade ago at this point. And that was fun for all of us. We love that season. And Santa's sleigh, 12-4, and four, and, you know, Cody Parkey's double doink. That hurt. But you sat there and said, all right, this team's on the come. This wasn't a fluke. You know, Pace is young. Nagy is young. The core on that team is young. They're going to figure it all out. And it has just collapsed in two years. And they just keep pushing the blame around to try and keep their jobs. And George keeps buying it. And, you know, I put out a thread right after the football game about what they should do. And I talked about how Ted Phillips needs to be gone. I talked about how Ryan Pace cannot select the next quarterback. I talked about how, you know, while Matt Nagy has good qualities of a head coach, he doesn't, he just does not seem to have the feel and the rhythm of a play caller. But how do you separate the two at this point? I talked about all the issues they had and they did not address any of them. You know, we heard rumors that maybe they would make Pace president of football ops and bring in a new GM for a fresh voice. They didn't do it. They ran everything back except Pagano and except what I assume 
will be not keeping Mitch Trubisky. It is a fool's errand going into this season and just dreading what Ryan Pace is going to do in March to try and beef up this team to save his job. It, it is the absolute worst situation you could be in. If you wanted to keep Ryan Pace, you needed to give him a contract extension because you needed to tell him he was going to be here another three or four years so he was not going to be desperate to fix the roster. So he understood that if they dipped to a six or a seven win team or a five win team, that he wasn't gonna be out the door immediately. So he could go draft a Trey Lance and try and develop a quarterback. Now again, Ryan Pace has not shown he can evaluate the quarterback position properly. They're giving him one more shot at the quarterback position, but they're giving him a shot at it when he's desperate. And I'm not saying Ryan Pace deserved a contract extension. Don't misread what I'm saying. I'm saying keeping Ryan Pace as the general manager, and whether he has one or two years left because they wouldn't answer the question about his contract length, I honestly don't think that matters because I think that comes down to the point that he has one year left, period. He may be out, you know, if he's fired after a year from now, it doesn't matter if the Bears are eating a year on his contract or if the Bears are just letting him go because he's a lame duck GM this year. It's irrelevant. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, who's got, Nagy's got two years left on his contract, but in essence, they are both entering 2021 on one-year deals. Teams eat one-year contracts from, from coaches and GMs all the time. It, it's, you know, it's funny money at that point. Two years, three years, that's different. That's where teams start getting cold feet. But in essence, one year left on a deal, it, it doesn't even matter. So that's irrelevant to me. They've set up a situation where they told Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, fix it this year or they're out. That creates a desperate situation and for them to do anything they can to bolster this roster and throw caution to the wind about future draft capital and future salary cap space. It is a terrible situation for this team. Listening to George and Ted just felt like, just you just felt hopelessness listening to George and Ted. And then listening to Pace and Nagy, you, it was the same thing. You, nothing has changed. And now we're eight months away from football. We're two months away from free agency. We're three and a half months away from the draft. And honestly, at this point, if you're a Bears fan, of course you're going to sit there and you're going to watch the team and you're going to cheer and you're going to hope for the best. You may as well fast forward a year because whatever they do this year to me is going to be a mistake. And that's George and Ted's fault. And it's mostly George because the decision was his. He's the chairman. It's George's fault about what he has created this year. It is such a terrible situation. I can't believe we're here after what the 2018 season was, but that's what happens when you have a bad franchise. And that's what the Chicago Bears are. I had someone on Twitter trying to compare the Bears franchise to the Steelers franchise about how, well, Mike Tomlin had a three-year stretch where he went 12-4, and 8-8, eight and 8-8, eight and, eight and, eight, and he didn't get fired. Mike Tomlin, when he went on that stretch, was coming off a, a Super Bowl appearance before the eight and eight, or you know, before the twelve and four season, he was 
in a Super Bowl the year before, and three or four years before that, he had won the Super Bowl. It's an irrelevant comparison. The Steelers have had one losing record this century. In the last 21 seasons, they've had one losing record. They, they've won five, six Super Bowls, six Super Bowls. They've won six Super Bowls and been the eighth. I mean, come on. You can't compare the two. Guys sitting there telling me that Chuck Knoll was 12 and 30 in his first three years. In 1969, 70, and 71, when there was no free agency, when quarterbacks took five or six years to develop a lot of times. Like, or we're going to compare a coach from 50 years ago? Why don't we compare the, the Bears to the 1940s Bears with Sid Luckman and the, and the T formation? I mean, come on. Come on, Bears fans. Let's be better. Let's expect better from this organization. Ryan Pace has had six years, and I have supported Pace a lot, a lot on this. I got my voice cracking. A lot on this podcast. But he has had one winning record and two playoff appearances in six years. That is not good enough. Matt Nagy has had back-to-back eight and eight seasons. He's got a winning record. He's got two playoff appearances. His resume looks better. But you have to understand what you were looking at with Nagy wasn't great either. They, they needed to do something. I am not saying they needed to fire Phillips, Pace, and Nagy. But they had to do something. Something. Chuck Pagano? Chuck Pagano is what you gave us. You, you gave us Chuck Pagano as the, as the sacrificial lamb. Chuck Pagano. That was the whole problem. The inept offense that we saw for just about the entire season, unless they were playing crap teams, and don't get me, don't, don't think of it any other way. Don't sit there and think Mitch turned the corner and that's why they were magically better. They were playing the worst defenses in the NFL. Go 30th, 31st, 32nd. The worst defenses in the NFL. And they still managed to lose to Detroit. And then they beat three bad teams. Their best win came against the Vikings because the Vikings were hovering around 500. You know, they were below it, but they were at least close. Yes, obviously they played better the second time against the Vikings than that Foles-Vikings game, which was a disaster before. But don't sit there and think Trubisky was amazing. Mitch Trubisky was who he always has been. The guy that beats bad teams. He beats bad teams. He doesn't beat any good teams. You want to know how many teams with a winning record Mitch Trubisky beat this year? Zero. Nick Foles beat the Bucs at least. Mitch Trubisky didn't beat any teams with a winning record. And in fact, and I'm not 100% certain, but if you do not count the game in week 17 of 2019 when the Bears beat the Vikings, when the Vikings were resting everybody, the Vikings treated it as a preseason game. The Vikings were, I think, 10-6 and six last year. If you don't count that game that the Bears won when the Vikings were basically playing all their backups, the Bears, Mitch Trubisky, has not beaten a team that finished with a winning record since 2018. He didn't beat any of them this year. He didn't beat any of them in 2019. That You can't be a winning franchise with those kind of results. So don't pretend that Mitch Trubisky was amazing and turned the corner. Look at the competition. Now, I don't know who it was, but someone coined the phrase that Mitch Trubisky is a bum slayer. And that's who he is. He beats bad teams. He can't beat good teams. That's why his record is horrendous on primetime games, because he's got a good opponent all the time. That's why Mitch Trubisky played well, because he played the Texans, because he played the Lions, because he played the Jaguars. Those teams are not good. 
That's why Trubisky was looking better. Had What did Trubisky do against the Packers? Both times he played him. Did not play well. You know, the Trubisky truthers want to say, well, he was 80% completion percentage in week 17 at one point because he was throwing three-yard passes. He wasn't throwing the ball down the field. Check down, check down, check down. He wasn't good against the Saints. You want to blame Nagy. You want to blame... Everyone always wants to blame someone if they're a Trubisky truther other than Trubisky. Trubisky's not the guy. Hopefully the Bears realize that and hopefully he's gone. But that does not mean that they are going to solve the other issues of this team. This team's an 8-8 eight eight team. If they have an outstanding quarterback, if they have an elite top five quarterback, then what this roster is, yes, they win 11, 12, 13 games with an elite quarterback. But replacing Trubisky with Jimmy Garoppolo, that's not going to turn you into a 12-4 and four football team. It's just delaying the inevitable. That's all George has done. And what he's doing now is he's, you know what? I've been talking for 40 minutes and <laughs> nothing is any better. Everything is just as hopeless as it was 40 minutes ago. It's just, I don't know, Bears fans. I don't know. I don't know where we go from here, but this franchise is just one that's going to continue to kick you in the private parts. There's no, there's no other way to put it. It's that bad. It is just that bad of a situation. So uh, let's wrap up Bears banter. We will obviously do Bears banters throughout the offseason. I will get you some good guests along the way as we, we always do. We'll talk. We'll get more opinions about what the Bears have done. There's going to be more changes. We're going to see who the new defensive coordinator is. I will throw my hat in the ring for a Jay Rogers supporter. Let's promote internally. We don't need a retread defensive coordinator. Let's give Jay Rogers a chance. If he's interested in the position, give him a shot. He's a brilliant football mind. I don't know if he's going to be a great defensive coordinator, but let's give him a shot. He deserves it. He's been that good for this defense. So we've got to, we've got to find out that. We have to find out if they're going to make changes to the offensive coaching staff, which they will. If you remember last year, they didn't make those changes until after the press conference, so they didn't have to talk about them to the media. So let's see where the Bears go from here. But there's not a lot of hope from, from this uh, podcaster. And I'm guessing, based on what I saw on Twitter, not a lot of hope from Bears fans either. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. Bear down. It's going to be a long off season. You're going to have to. Adios. Adios.